Thank you, Lisa. You may have looked at my sermon title this morning, Identity, Credibility, Reputation. Um, this could be this could be a series we did for weeks or weeks or weeks. It could be a class. It, it could, we could go into all kinds of things from personal level to um, professional looking at human development and who we are and how we become who we are and all of that sort of thing. But let me just spend a few minutes telling you how I got to this today and give a little bit of thought about that. Um, so first of all, uh, it's interesting if the, the way the lectionary readings work out. And if you're not familiar with the lectionary, some years ago, um, some folks decided that it wasn't a good idea for us preacher types to just kind of pluck whatever scripture we wanted to preach on every week because we might not use enough of the Bible. We might just go to our favorite ones or the easy ones or, you know, there's always ones you say, ooh, you cringe at or whatever. Um, so the lectionary is this three-year cycle that makes sure we cover a good amount of the Bible. And so I always look at those as a starting point, probably based on what's going on, there may be three or four times a year where I don't use any of the lectionary readings. And there's always four of them, okay? Um, there's always four lectionary readings. Usually the first one is from the Old Testament, and then uh, a psalm, and followed by uh, a New Testament epistle reading, one of the letters, and then a gospel reading. But we don't tend to do all of them. Some of the uh, more formal churches will do all of them. But this week, I tell you all this because this week I couldn't figure out how to eliminate uh, anything except for the, the psalm, um, which they're all listed at the end of your bulletin so you can read them on your own time. Um, but I, it just kept jumping out at the page at me, this idea of who we are, who we think we are, who others think we are, who God thinks we are. Um, and so we have, we have Jeremiah, this prophet, and he's being told by God, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. Do you get it? You are special. You are neat. You, you are unique. You, there's a calling that comes out of that for who you can be and how that identity of who you are that has been shaped in my love can shine and can make a difference, right? And of course, Jeremiah goes on and says, but I'm only a boy and I don't really speak very well. Maybe that never happens to you. Somebody tells you, you know, you, you really really have a lot to offer. And you say, well, not really, you know. Um, I'm not really good at this, and I'm not really good at that, and, you know, that sort of thing. So, you know, maybe Jeremiah is a, a little bit typical that way. Well, he ends up being a great prophet. But this dialogue has to happen with God, so he begins to understand that God has this confidence in him because God formed him. God shaped him. God loved him from the very beginning. And even from God's imaginings before Jeremiah was born. Right? And then we have the Gospel reading. Where Jesus is very, very beginning of his ministry. You know, he's, he's got himself, uh, you know, born and baptized. Luke gives us a lot of that kind of stuff. Uh, he's been named, um, He's, uh, he's gone out into the wilderness for 30 days to, to really focus on 
himself and his own identity, what his calling is, and to be with God and to deal with his own temptations and all of that sort of thing so that he can come out of that and be rooted and centered no matter what comes his direction. You know? And isn't it amazing how just within a few verses, this is this is verses 21 to 30 of the fourth chapter, and the first thing when Jesus is speaking is we hear that the people were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. And a few verses later, they were running him out of town and trying to throw him over a cliff. Right? So, these are both readings about, do you know who you are? You know, in the end, you can go a lot of directions with this, but it says, but Jesus passed through the midst of them and went his own way. He was not taken away from his understanding of who he was and what his calling was. And he was able to, to be himself and move on and move through it and go on to the next place he needed to be. And so we think about our own Identities of who we are, and when we doubt ourselves, and when we question, and, and uh, it began to have me. I, well, it didn't begin. It probably is the reason why this jumped out at me in these readings, because I started looking at things in my own life. You know, um, because whenever we think about our identity, credibility, and reputation, what do others think? And if you're a person of faith, what does God think? Does God approve of what I'm doing? Does my mother approve? Does my father approve? What are my brothers and sisters going to think? What are my best friends going to think? You know? Um, and I first had to deal with that. Um, and I wasn't the only one who had to deal with it. But when I left the Roman Catholic priesthood, you know, um, it was really confusing. In some ways, I didn't doubt my decision, but the world just started to swirl. And it was just absolutely amazing. Everybody had a detailed opinion about my life. That's how it felt. Have you ever been through that before? You're going through something, and everybody knows what you should do? Some of you even do the should language. Well, this is what you should do, you know. Some wanted me to go become Episcopal priest, because that's close to being a Catholic priest, right? Just go do that, then you can get married, you can do all this other stuff, you know? Some wanted to shame me. Some wanted to just hug and love me, which was nice, you know? Anyway, I found out during that time, when you think about your identity, which is so relational, because it, I can walk into a room, and maybe you can too, and you, someone says, how are you doing? I'm having a great day. You respond when they say, how are you doing? And then somebody says something to you on the other side of the room that's hurtful. And all of a sudden, all that confidence you felt when you walked in that day, and all of a sudden everything comes crashing to the ground. Maybe they're right. Why am I feeling, why did I feel so good today? Because, you know, I should feel miserable because what that person said. I was probably right. Tell me if this only happens to me. You know, let me know. Um, um, you know, so, so where does this sense of our identity come from? And where does the fragility around it come from as well? You know? Um, 
Uh, I know a lot of us also deal with the fact that because of that, we have to keep putting one foot in front of another, and you know they say fake it till you make it, you know that kind of thing, and you just keep trying to do it. But underneath, we can be just knocked off of our center so quickly and so easily. And so when I left the priesthood, I mean, everything was a swirl. And recently I got deeply back into what that time was like for me because um, it's the reason I'm in the Northwest. I was was in Denver, Colorado area at the time. And someone had just become nationally famous, uh, a a progressive bishop in Seattle, Archbishop Raymond Hunthausen. You may have heard of him. He just died this last... uh, this last summer, at 97 years old, but he was a progressive bishop and he was doing amazing, wonderful things, um, at least from my point of view. And I had just heard about him before I left the priesthood in Denver because Dan Rather had done a big commentary about him because uh, Hunthausen, uh, the first Trident missiles were coming to Bangor in his diocese, and he was out there with the protesters, and he decided to do a tax protest and not pay. He didn't make hardly any money. People in the Catholic Church, they take care of it. They don't really get a lot of income. And, uh, but he decided in principle to not pay half of his taxes that went toward the military and would support the Trident missile. And so he was under attack from a lot of people over it, but he was also getting nationally known. He was doing progressive things around women and uh, gays and lesbians, which was really complicated in the Catholic Church, and, and things like that. And, and um, so when I left the priesthood, I came to the Northwest because I just needed to breathe the air that he was breathing. You know, But I had to get out of Colorado since there were so many voices shouting about what I should do. So that's how I ended up in the Northwest. And, and so recently I read a book that was just released by a guy who was a religion reporter and got to know Hunthausen well about Hunthausen and the whole story. And I just finished reading the whole book and it brought up every little detail of that time of my life, including the fact that my wife Andy and I were very involved in the Seattle area in supporting Hunthausen when the conservatives went to the Vatican and and said, he's doing all these bad things, you've got to investigate him. And so he got investigated. And talk about credibility and reputation. Here was this humble man who didn't really want to be in the spotlight. He was just doing things he believed in and trying to serve the church. And all of a sudden he was under attack and people were saying he was things that he wasn't and that he was disloyal and he was all of these sort of things. And so Andy and I were part of a group that were supporting him, bringing people together, uh, doing whatever we could to help him get through the investigation. Um, he finally got through it. That's another long story. Um, but uh, these readings this week and reading that book brought up all of that time in my life up because I was trying to figure out all through the 80s um, who I was. And Hunthausen played into that. Who I was, where am I going, what am I supposed to be doing, did I do... Were all the people mad at me? Were they the right ones? Was I right? What's going on, right? Um, And then, as many of you know, uh, I had a situation happen a couple years ago in another arena I was working in down in Spokane that, um, you know, put my credibility and reputation 
in question, and that's not really a story that needs to be told here, but if anybody wants to know it, I'm happy to do it. But you come out of these times, and you, and don't, don't you, even though you kind of go on and you get past certain things, but there's part of you that feels weaker for it, and then every once in a while, something happens and you, it opens the whole thing up and you doubt everything you've done. You know, you doubt your motives, you doubt your ability to make good decisions, you doubt your choices, you doubt everything. Um, so all this came up for me this week as I was reading these readings. And this is really what being part of a faith community, a spiritual community is all about. It's hopefully a place where together we seek from God an understanding of who we really are and how we can stand firm, you know, grounded in knowing who we are and how we can deal with the times when we do get knocked off and we, how, we do, how we deal with what's really true in those moments and what was just people coming at us and, and, and putting us off our game, so to speak. How do we deal with that sort of thing? And so then it was kind of amazing because I was just going to do the two readings that Lisa read and then I went to that wonderful, famous passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love passage. And that's part of the lectionary readings for today. So I didn't want to have to read three, so I worked it into the call to worship, you know, and got most of it in there. Um, but is that not the central part of what our identity, our credibility, and reputation is all about? Going back to Jeremiah. You know, before you were in the womb, I formed you. I've loved you from the very beginning. Is it not the life challenge is to believe that? How many days of the year do you believe that you are unconditionally loved and there's nothing you need to do to deserve it, to earn it? And there's also nothing you can do, as it says in Romans chapter 8, to separate yourself from the love of God. Nothing you can do. In this age of social media where people are flying attacks all of the time, our whole culture is going through an identity crisis. It seems like we've forgotten who we are. These readings and this going back to what is at the center of it, this God of love unconditionally loves us. So you could put out on the table right now, if you want, the worst moment in your life, the time where you felt you screwed up the most or somebody else think you did, think you did. And others were whispering or talking about you. Do you know what so-and-so did? And in that experience, you were being unconditionally loved by God. But, we forget it, and we also don't believe it, do we? And so we act not out of that love, we act out of our doubt. We act out of our brokenness. We act out of our own being mad at ourselves. What did I do to cause this? Our identity is rooted 
in this unconditional love of God. 1 Corinthians 13 reminds us of that and also reminds us that we can live out of that love every day. Love is patient. Love is kind. If you read the whole thing, love isn't making judgments. Think of somebody, whether it's in somebody in the public eye or whatever, every time you see them, what pops into the head? Oh, God, I hate seeing that person. Oh, every time that person talks, you know? When we become the reflection of that unconditional love, when we, because we actually believe we are unconditionally loved, then that begins to change in our brain. And we begin to respond differently, think differently, feel differently, become the reflection of that love. But it all starts with knowing in our bones that we are unconditionally loved and no matter the worst thing we've done, there's nothing we can do to earn that love back because we've never lost it. It's always there. It is our truest identity. It is what gives us credibility. It is what allows us, as Jeremiah did, to not believe he had anything to offer, to become a voice for God's presence in our midst. So whatever it is for you, I know some of the things it is for me, and there are days where it really hits me. Go back to these passages. Remember who you really are, who we, who we really are. And our God is calling us beyond what we think of ourselves to who we were really formed to be before we were in our mother's womb. May we be encouragements to one another as we do this. Amen.